I can't get over all these loser comments that he, and, you know, he showed no sympathy. He kept crying. He was all like, wah, wah, wah. I made a shitty hit. I have to suffer the consequences. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, this guy was saying that he didn't want to appeal the suspension. Um, he didn't want to appeal his four game suspension to avoid distracting his teammates and making it difficult for them. But for a whole fucking week, he's been crying to the media, hoping to get a Hallmark card that says, I'm sorry, XOXOXO. Give me a fucking break. Everly for Barzell. He's behind the defense. Matt Barzell. With that sound, you guys know what that means. It's time for another episode of the Clapper Report, a hockey podcast where an Islanders fan and a Canucks fan talk about news in the league and rumors surrounding the teams. This is Justin. I'm alongside my boy Damian. And just to clarify, we are not Jeff Merrick or Elliot Freeman. But before we get started, we ask that you please follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And we also ask if you can follow us on Instagram as well at the Clapper Report, T-H-E-C-L-A-P-P-E-R-R-E-P-O-R-T. Interact with us. Leave us some comments. Slide in our DMs. Let's get this conversation flowing. (laughs) (laughs) So, Damian, my man. What's up? What you drinking? What's going on? <laughs> you like the kissies, right? <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So to recover from that, um, and not really recover far because um, I'm about my fourth white claw in right now. So we're feeling it. We're not even drinking beer tonight. Well, you're feeling. So, it. Um, I gotta. I gotta get on the wave, <laughs> dude. You gotta catch up pretty quick. Dude, that kiss. <laughs> I still can't get over that. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> what are you drinking over there, bro? Um, <laughs> I'm drinking uh, this uh, from Dubco. It's um a double IPA. It's um it says a Northeast double IPA. It's called For Science 6.0. It's an 8.2. It's uh, my first time having it, and uh yeah, it's feeling good. You know, maybe there might be some more throughout the episode so <laughs> yeah man how is it have some crying sounds <laughs> yeah right uh dude it's been pretty good honestly no complaints um even from a clap report standpoint we've had a pretty pretty good week you know um i'm sure we'll talk about the islanders so i'm feeling great about that clap report awesome feedback from everybody we're getting a lot ton of support right now so overall great week bro how about you uh yeah, my week wasn't too shabby. Um my summer week my summer course started <clears throat> on Monday. I got two days in person or not in person, two days on Zoom and then two days like where I just like watch something and then I like answer questions and stuff. Um so that's only gonna last until the end of the month. So I'm uh I'm hoping it doesn't fry my brain too much. Um and yeah, yeah, shout out to you guys. Uh if you guys are listening right now, um yeah, like on our Instagram especially interacting with us liking a lot of posts. I know a lot of it's Islanders fans. Um, my Canucks fans, man, we got to start, uh, we got to start culminating, you know, we got to start, we got to rally the troops, even though it's difficult in our trying times, but you know, uh, thank you guys a lot for, uh, interacting more with our posts, listening more. Uh, yeah, it means a lot. So 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also your college situation. That sounds great, man. I mean, oh, well, only till the end of the month, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say great, but yeah, sure. It's uh, it's pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's doable. Hopefully. Oh, my All neighbor's right, a little cool, blasting cool. music oh. loud as hell. Awesome. <laughs> Luckily, we don't hear it. So hopefully it's not too bad for you. Yeah. And I got, yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of music, uh, my hardcore song of the week. <laughs> um, this band, Ikulu, I think I mentioned them last week. Their album released today or at midnight tonight or last night, tonight, last night, today. Um, and the song that I picked is Proven Wrong. It's the second song off of it. It slaps, dude. You, you need to listen to it. I don't think you listened to the album yet, but you need to. Um, it's right up my no, alley of hardcore. It. It's yeah, it's right up my alley of hardcore. Um, the very danciness. And uh, yeah, man, it's just fucking sick. Yeah, dope. So I'll definitely check that out. Uh, for me this week, probably a repeat band. I think Justin had him on here once, but uh, they've quickly become one of my favorites uh, over the time. And the song I chose is Paper Gangsta from the band Karma. Um, dude, overall, just a sick band, man. They're in your face. I love it. It's my it's my type of music. You know what I'm saying? So um, definitely check it out, guys. Yeah. Fun um, song. Fun song, I'll say. Yeah, the whole the whole EP of theirs is uh, nuts. I think, I think the one is, um, guilty by association. Is it? That's the EP name. I think. No, I'm sorry. Um, it's most dangerous game. Guilty yes, by association yeah, is one of the songs. Um. Oh no no that no that's a different one. No, you're you're moment talking of about moment of violence. Yeah yeah. yeah um. Yeah. That's that song slaps. The whole EP slaps. Um. Actually, it's really funny about Karma because um, one day I was playing in my car. I forgot what song it was. And I just started punching the air while I was driving. And I actually punched um, like my car, like right next to my um, my dashboard. There's like these like plastic things going up from the dashboard to the roof of the car. I punched it by accident and actually broke it. Um, so now, <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't really tell, honestly, unless like, you know, that I did that. But now I look at it almost every time that I'm driving and I'm like, damn, I'm a fucking dumbass. Like, you know what I mean? No, bro, you're not because I'd be wailing on my uh, my steering wheel ever so often when a when a certain song comes on. So trust me, with that song from Karma, probably will have you punching inside of your car. We strongly advise against that pretty unsafe but uh i'm sure it'll uh, make you at least have that feeling <laughs> yeah i say i say i recommend against it but yeah i'm i'm uh i do it literally all the time i think i'm doing it every time i'm in the car at least like like uh, katie, will be, here. katie will be next to me and she'll just be like what the fuck are you doing like she's like uh you know you need to focus on the road <laughs> like you just you don't understand. It's a phase. No, what? Uh, yeah, right. It's a phase. It's a phase. I, I mean, honestly, a, I think oh, I was, it's not a phase. Fuck. It's all right. You know, I mean, I feel like I've been doing it even like with like rap music, even man. Like even I feel like if I'm listening to Johnny Cash, I'll still punch the steering wheel. Like yo, when Hurt comes <laughs> Hurt by Johnny Cash, yo, it's over. Uh, it just hits a certain level, and you have to start hitting. You know, you have to start hitting back. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's like. I will make you hurt. <laughs> oh, anywho, that that's like the extent of my country music listening is Johnny Cash. But <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't. But um, let's get into some hockey, man, because I know this is probably going to end up being a long one. 
Um, but it's it's all good news, man. I mean, <clears throat> finally reached the semifinals of the playoffs. It's been a wonderful ride so far. Loving hockey right now. Loving watching. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, before we get into the playoffs recap from this round, um, I think it's important that we cover P.K. Subban has officially joined ESPN uh, to be like an analyst type guy for the remainder of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love this, honestly. I mean, I think I mentioned him um, when we had that we had that discussion when, um, what, like two months ago or whatever, a month ago, when they were talking about the partnering rights, like the TV deal. I think we were talking about this um, for a little bit of time. And yeah. I think I mentioned PK and how when he retires, he should definitely um be like a broadcaster because he has that personality you know he 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 is like a face of the nhl you know what i mean oh no he's definitely a prominent figure in the sport and i mean he's already involved with media media in his own ways you know he has his own podcast um it's called the ugly duck podcast if you guys don't know um and it's great he's great and you know he's a good voice for the league and um i feel like he's pioneering opportunities for other players in the league now to be more involved with media and, you know, just personal brands in general, you know? So uh, I think overall, this is a great decision for him and for ESPN and the league in general. Yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten to see him. Has he started yet? Um, I don't think he started yet. Although there was a video, which was funny as hell um, of him sitting in like a, big recliner chair with like nine or 10 monitors all watching the uh, Islander Bruins game. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So that was pretty funny, you know, and you know, he's already showing off his goofy character. So uh, not necessarily on TV. As far as I know, I'm sure we'll see clips as soon as that does happen, but uh, we're already starting to see glimpses of what's to come. Yeah. Um, he kind of reminds me of like that goofiness, but also like, um, intelligence that Kevin Bieksa has, former Canuck. Shout out to Kevin Bieksa. Um, love him to death. Um, great guy, great player. And he's been joining Hockey Night in Canada, right? And, and Sportsnet. Dude is super intelligent. Yeah. The way that he breaks down plays is like, it's accessible to both intelligent, I don't mean intelligent fans. I mean, fans who have like um, been exposed to more hockey who are, are like lifetime fans. Um, and for casual fans who are just starting out watching, you know, he makes it easily, easily accessible to both um, spectrums or both sides of the spectrum of fans, you know. And um, I think PK will do something similar because PK is a really smart guy with hockey. Um, so, yeah, man. And, you know, honestly, I whenever PK does retire, I hope that he does become like a permanent broadcaster because I'm sick of watching. Keith Jones and Dominic Moore spewing the same cliches we hear every day and jerking off fourth line players for their impact on the ice and they're getting in the opponent's head. <laughs> and it's like, bro, come on. How many times do I have to hear about Ryan Reeves? How many times do I have to hear about Trent Frederick? It's like, come on, man. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Keith Jones. I'm sick of Dominic Moore. I'm sick of who I like. I can't even name the others, man, because they're just, you know, it's fine to have oh, one of yeah. those guys. It's mind-numbingly boring. Yeah, it's like. How do you expect to draw people in and get get hyped? I mean, like I don't know. So I'm really hoping that PK does whenever he does retire, um, become a part of the media, and hopefully he goes to ESPN. Um, he'd be a great. I mean, face it to is have. a contract year. 
it is a contract year. So, you know, he has his health. ESPN, they want to match that kind of contract. Maybe yeah, okay. That kind of contract, I don't know, I'm sure man. he wants to get him. I'm sure he wants to get himself a chip before he leaves the league, but. Yeah, definitely. But no, all great news there. Um, so I think it's about time that we move on to playoffs recap, right? Um, you know, second round recap, basically. Uh, every every team has finished. We are now set. Uh, I guess we'll go with the good news. You know, we'll get me excited. We'll keep me in the loop here. We'll cover the Isles and the Bruins series first. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I don't care, man. All right, sweet, sweet. Um Dude, I know I'm going to get too excited on this part. I know I am. But um, they fucking did it, all right? All you fuckers who were coming at every single Islander fan in the comment sections of any post that had any relevance to the Islanders saying, uh, Bruins in three, Bruins in four, go, go, go somewhere, all right? Enough. Goodbye. Um, They did it, man. Um, They did it in six. Uh, I think it was moneypuck.com that had like a bunch of the odds and it's going viral now of them, their original post about the Islander Bruins series. And they had a 6% chance listed for them to win in six, 6% chance. And it's done. They slayed the three headed dragon of the top line of the Bruins. And um, dude, I can't be any more excited about it. Yeah. I mean, um, I know it's uh, I I don't want to say I'm surprised like that, but I definitely kind of am. Um, I don't know, like, because the games that the Islanders did win, it, the Bruins just look terrible. You know what I mean? And also, I feel like a big part of it is that you're right. Like, it really was the top line of the Bruins that was really doing the most. And I feel like Taylor Hall wasn't there like when he was like he was during um, the first round, you know, I feel and during the regular season. I feel like he kind of just disappeared. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And trust me, I'm 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 the first one to say I'm happy about it. You know, we got a goal from Zajac and Palmieri both in that series. So uh, you know, you know, those are the two guys that we got instead of Hall. So I'm very happy with the impact they had and the lack of impact he had. Um, although it has to be frustrating to some Bruin fans. Uh but I did actually break it down because it was something that I was noticing while watching the games, and I feel like it really wasn't spoke about that much um is that the Bruins this series 11 of their goals came from the top line and then four from the second line one of them being a power play goal so technically only three and then they had a one lone goal from the third line and that was it it was literally like a one-line show for them yeah yeah I know and that's the thing like the middle six definitely needs to produce more um you know I mean the second line is Listen, I don't know, man. It's just the Bruins are a team that uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, man. It's just it's bewildering. I think that's where I think that's the problem with what I was just about to say. It's it's bewildering. It doesn't make sense as to why the middle six dropped off like they did during this series. Um, I mean, they got shut down completely. They didn't play with any energy. They they were getting stood up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, and. I also feel like, you know, for a majority of the series, at least towards like the middle end of the series, uh, what the Islanders actually ended up doing was really utilizing the third line to shut down the top line as much as possible. You know, obviously that's very hard when you're talking about players of the likes of Marshan and Bergeron Apasta, but 
you know, I feel like they did a relatively good job on that. And then the rest of the team picked up the slack for everywhere else, you know, like, oh, I don't even want to call it slack because that no line was flacking for the Islanders. You know, everybody was playing the team game that, you know, we've come to come to learn and come to love, honestly, as Islander fans. So uh, overall, great team win. Uh, the one thing that I do want to talk about, though, and, you know, it's kind of become quite the laughing stock or funny part of the series, I guess, is Bruce Cassie's comments about the team after, I think it was game four. Um, he said that, I don't have the exact quote here, but he basically boiled it down to the Islanders play a certain style that makes them look like saints. And that it has to be like one of the the stupidest lines I think I've ever heard from a head coach. What about you? I uh, Well, I've definitely heard some stupid shit from coaches uh, considering – the Canucks coach for a few years was John Tortorella. Um, but oh, true, uh, <laughs> forget about him. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I thought the comment was definitely odd. I didn't really understand it too much. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what he meant at first. I didn't take it as penalty minutes at first. I, I thought that he meant like a saint, like, like in the sense of like a defensive saint, you know, like that, like how they play a defensive system. I mean, that's, that's what my mind first went to when I heard it. And then everyone was talking about like how within context he was talking about like penalties and stuff. And I was like, but like the Bruins don't get called for anything. That's what I was thinking. Especially in the playoffs, they don't get called for anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, dude, trust me. That was something that I was uh, getting quite pissed off about all series long. And I, I get it. I have a Homer goggles, as you know, actually, we had a little watch party, I guess you can call it at my house. So uh, you got to see my reaction live. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't uh, watched a game with you in a while. I know it's been a really long time and we got to watch the series clinching game, which was nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but um, back to what I was saying, though, I mean, the, the Islander team, like they were the least penalized team in the league. Well, not necessarily. They were 29th in the league. Um, well, 29th, like least, uh, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, the Bruins, they were the fifth penalized team in the league. So they had, they, they were like a dirty team all season long. And um, calls up into this game at that point were 31 to 30. So they were fairly even. And yeah, there were some that the Islanders probably got away with. I will not fight that. There was certainly a couple high sticks, a couple things, you know, outside of the real play that they got away with. But um, the Bruins, they got away with a lot. You know, they got away with things that turned into fines later on. You know, that obviously if they're fining for it, they should have got called during the game, but weren't. You know, like Mayfield's cross-check to the head. You know, there was no call on that, but there was a fine after the game. Barzell, he got, um, you know, he got sticked right in the nuts. You know, that usually is a five minute call. They reviewed it and changed it to a two. So that, you know, that's something that they got away with. Um, there was an elbowing from Richie on Mayfield that he got away with in the game, turned into a fine later. And then, you know, the Bruins, you know, their fan base, they're crying about, oh, a, a delay of game call. Like, that's so obvious. Like, you lit- like you cannot not call that, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Delay game calls obvious. Yeah, well, I mean, most of the times, unless it deflects or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. So, I'm also trying know, to look up. Where did you find the um the 29th and penalty minutes? Because I'm trying to look up for the Canucks. <laughs> Do you know where you uh, where you saw that? I don't mean to put you on the spot, yeah. but 
No, no. You know what? I was so excited about this episode because they clinched that I was writing shit like way early in the week. It might have been something that I read in in regards to this situation. Um, give me one second. It was Arthur Staple, actually. Wait, so wait, I don't wait, know if wait, you'll be wait, able to see the connect. I think I found it. I think this. Yep. Okay. Wait. Wait. Whoa. 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 Yeah, man. This is it. Whoa. The Canucks are fourth. What? Whoa. Fourth in penalties. Yeah, man. It. I mean, it definitely seemed like it. I felt felt like the Canucks were getting called for everything. Turns out I wasn't too wrong. Um, Tampa actually led by over by uh twenty nine penalty minutes. Wow. And what was it? It That's- says uh, Chicago was last. Only two less than the Islanders. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Oh, this is a cool, this is a cool little thing. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, now now no, I'm just staring at this. <laughs> no, no, I get it, and like, but that's that's what's kind of cool about it is like you know, and the Islanders relatively have been quote unquote a queen a clean kind of team so far. Well, in Besides the regular Scott season, Mayfield. and <laughs> yeah, and Matthew Barzell leading the team in penalty minutes in the regular season. Ain't that but, crazy? Uh, we, yeah, no, that was a frustrating stat throughout the season. Bonkers. But um, that's all I really have to say about it. He did eventually get fined 50K for coming at the referees like that. Um, and the Islander fan base, we took that. We took it with great pride. We changed our team name to the New York Saints. You know, we were playing uh, when the Saints come marching in. Fans literally had like a trombone and like a tuba outside the game right before the game started and they were playing the chance. So, uh, you know, this team was feeling it, you know, they loved it. And, uh, the jokes were going on all night long. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree that he should have been fine? That Cassidy should have been fined that amount of money for making comments about the refing. Uh, I feel like we've discussed this kind of before, but, I don't know. It's pertinent yeah, to the Islanders. I'm trying to remember the situation that we talked about last. Um, Probably the Rangers with the Tom Wilson thing. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, that that is exactly it. Yeah, no, we we've discussed it before, and I, I mean, the owners they should feel comfortable, or or teams and coaches should feel comfortable being able to criticize and be like, hey, this is what I feel like is being done wrong against us, and and not be in fear of. of being having to pay fifty dollars, uh, fifty thousand dollars in fines—that's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and I feel like that gets me pretty pissed off because it's like, then who's telling the refs like when they're doing a good or a bad job? You know, it's like. But I think then too, you're also allowed to be frustrated. You know, I mean, it's especially yeah. in these playoffs. You know, it's not, and it's not like they're saying, "Hey, uh, this ref can go eat my." shorts you know what i mean it's like yeah it's i mean like it's like it's, hey i think they made some bad calls you know i feel like we're getting you know i'm just saying like from bruce cassidy's point of view it's like oh hey you know i feel like we're getting penalized more than the opposition and i think that that's unfair i don't th- and yeah. honestly i don't think he said it in a way that was like inappropriate i think he said it in a professionalish manner you know he didn't say he wasn't acting crazy he wasn't like oh these refs they cannot you know what i mean it wasn't like a tortorella yeah. moment it was like he said it pretty like uh, what's the word? Uh, respectable professional. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess respectful manner. You know, I mean, he was just saying he's like, yeah, I feel like we're getting penalized more. And I think it's fine to criticize the refs. I mean, because refs should be criticized when they're ma- missing calls, you know, I mean, granted, whether or yeah. not he's right or wrong, it doesn't matter because 
calls are missed both ways regardless, but it's like, you know, you should be holding the refs to a high standard, you know, and a consistent standard. And I feel like calling them out is such an important thing that the league has tried to silence, you know, and uh, it makes me feel like uh, they're fascists. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Like you can't you can't uh, you can't say anything wrong about them without, uh, you know, being struck down by their uh, their little police. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of dumb to me. And I think it will remain dumb to me. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I just had to throw that question out there because I thought it was, you know, kind of relevant. Yeah, no, it totally is. And I 100% agree with it. I think that it's completely unfair, even though I think his comments were stupid. And well, it's I think freedom that of speech. He kind of screwed his team with it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's freedom of speech. You should be able to say whatever the hell you want, especially, uh, you know, in the middle of a hard-fought series. I mean, it, it definitely, emotions were at an all-time high for him. And a division rival, too. Yeah, I mean, homeboy's about to lose his job, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we were talking real. about that the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because what is it, five seasons now? Uh, five seasons he's been co- five seasons he's been coaching. Sorry, I'm almost done with my 8.2 percenter now. I've been chugging oh, this whole time. Oh, you're catching up to me. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you made it this far, this episode's about to get real interesting. Yeah, man, and I got a, I got a 7.4 coming up. But um, what's it called? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I think it was I, – I remember looking up the other day when we were together, and it was like – the first round, it was like the losses were like the first round, second round, second round, first round, or did not qualify, and then first round, I think. It was some shit like, or second round then. It was some shit like that. And it's like, they haven't gotten pat. I don't know, man. I don't know. Do, do you make a change? Because he was, he's not I, getting I enough. Say- he's not getting enough out of the bottom six or the, uh, I mean, at least in the series, the middle six, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you have the top line in hockey right i think it's pretty much you know unanimous that they're the top line right would you agree with me i would say they're one of them if not the best yeah 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 no so you know you have three beyond talented players that um you know can do anything and everything for you and they did especially in a series two you know and then you have a second line that's nothing to be squawked at i mean you just added taylor hall to this team like taylor hall is playing on your second line let me repeat that, you know, so sure you might not have the best bottom six. I mean, Charlie Coyle and DeBrusque being on your third line, Nick Ritchie being that physical player, you know, I feel like your forward lines are great. You know, defensively, you're okay. And then you had Tuka Rask in that, who apparently was injured, which we knew, but maybe that was mismanaged. Maybe Swayman should have played instead of Rask considering he was injured. You know, I probably got a little ahead of myself there, but you know, there's a ton of things that I feel like this management team did wrong in a series and apparently has been doing. So yeah, I would say he's out this season. So I think that these comments were like a desperation like claw to try and save his job. And that's my thing. I didn't even I, I completely forgot that. Thank God you mentioned it about Tuka Rask. Um Yeah. Yeah, I think that played such a huge um, such a huge factor in the series. And I'm not discrediting the Islanders, obviously, because, you know, uh, do I want to say they're my second team? Maybe. I think that they probably are because uh, I do enjoy watching them win. But I don't know, man. It's like, what what did he have? A torn? Oh, I forgot the fucking. Um, a torn labrum in his hip. I forgot exactly if there was anything else involved there, but that's what labrum, which. Yeah. And it said seven to eight months of recovery. Um, So he won't be ready until cool, January or February. Yeah. So with labor injuries, 
and I know from experience in my shoulder because I actually had that operated on. Um, you're able to like live with it. You're able to do things with it. Whether or not your hips different probably is, especially considering all your weights probably on it. Um, but um, yeah, labrum sucks, man. So seven eight months, especially being in the hip area, that's awful. And I gotta say, Tuca is one of the uh, one of the only players I like on Boston. And uh, so, you know, that sucks for him. And um, and it's something I also have to say, I got to get off my chest really quick. I feel like Boston fans are so quick to attack Tuka Rask. And it's like, so when you watch him play, right? I, I feel like he's not one of those goalies that's very flashy. He's not a flurry, you know? He's not a Hashik, you know what I mean? He's not going to make all these, like, spiraling saves and, like, the um, like the rolling pad saves. He's not going to make those. Because he's always in position. He's a very positionally well, yeah. sound goaltender. You know, he's very calm. He He's never out of position. And when he does get goals scored on him, they squeak through him. They bounce through him. They take, you know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, I feel like Boston fans take this sometimes. And I'm not, and I'm generalizing, but I feel like that occasionally Boston fans will sit there and be like, oh yeah, Rask needs to get out. Rask needs to be traded. Or Rask needs to leave like the team because like he's like, yeah, he's letting in goals and they look bad. But because he's not, I don't know, he's just, I don't know. I feel like some people want him to be more of like a flashy goaltender than he, than he is, you know? And I feel like, well, I'm, I've been reading, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I've been yeah, reading yeah. some like stuff from Boston fans and they're just saying like, oh, let Rask go or trade Rask or whatever. And it's like, man, like, why are you saying this? He was carrying what he carries usually when he plays, you know, he, I think he's still one of the top goaltenders in the league when he's not injured. Right. And so it's like to see that and to think that that's the problem instead of especially in this series when you're scoring, like you were mentioning, you did not have any scoring besides your top line. And you want Rask to be like gone from the organization after all that he's done for the team, all he's done for the city and you want him gone. And I I hate defending a Bruin right now, but it's like I'm still sour from 2011. But I mean, come on, man, get a grip. What are you talking about? You know what yeah. I mean? They also, you have to talk about, too, the defenseman. Bro, Mike Riley in this series played terribly. So many missed coverages, yeah. so many bad reads, so many bad passes. Like, man, and you're going to blame Rask? Granted, yeah, he let in a few soft goals, but you didn't get any depth scoring. You had bad depth, def- uh, bad defensive depth, and you're blaming it all on Rask. I don't know, man. And, and yeah. you know, the Islanders, no, I- the Islanders took advantage of it. You know, you can't blame the Islanders. You know, you can't fault the Islanders. You can't. You can't sit there and be like, oh, the Islanders got lucky. They they preyed on your weakness, and that's it. Yeah, no, they definitely did. I mean, Carlo was injured, you know, towards the end of the series there, so he wasn't involved. And, yeah, I agree with you. Tuka Rask played phenomenal. The only credit I'll give to Bruins fans saying that they don't want Rask coming back is their cap situation. So I think this is his contract year this year. He's going to miss the start of next season. Uh, Swayman when he played he played pretty well you know I I think that he played very good and um, you know maybe you're able to sign Halak for a little bit cheaper and then sign Swayman for you know oh actually Swayman I apologize his RFA year is 2023-2024 so you sign Halak cheap you know and Tukaras again made 7 million last season now has a hip surgery at the age of 34 you know you have other things to sign. You know, you have a lot of UFAs, including Taylor Hall, who says he wants to stay. So I kind of understand where they're coming from in a sense of uh, let's not bring him back. 
because of the cap situation. But I don't think this series was his fault at all. I mean, you know, for me, just looking at their first of all, I just have to really say really quick um, two things. Well, I guess just two players and same thing. Brad Marchand and David Pasternak are both making 6.6 and 6.1 respectively. Like what? Yeah. That's crazy. And Bergeron's only making 6.8. Yeah, I'm looking at their their uh their cat friendly right now. Holy shit. I didn't realize yeah. that's a steal, man. Um Well, that's that's what players should be doing. Like I know we kind of talked about it last uh you know, last episode about Toronto and I don't mean to pick on Toronto fans again in Toronto oh, themselves. But we should. But we but, should. But the fucking money that these guys are making handicaps your team. Yeah. It literally handicaps your team and uh you know I love Matt Barzell, but you know the money that he's making, like it's it's like ridiculous, you know. And then you have players that are proven, players that are great, fucking David Pasternak, Brad Marchand making under seven million dollars, so that way their team can win consistently. Is the type of players that you need on your team nowadays, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Um, when I went off about the Canucks, um, you know, you need to build a winning culture and a winning culture starts by giving your um, players cheap con- or by your players accepting cheaper contracts. And um, I don't know if we want to. Uh, oh, I mentioned it last week. Never mind. But I was going to say, I don't know if you want to segue into like uh, the Avalanche and um, Vegas, because I was going to mention McKinnon and how he was will- how he was reported as saying that he would take a uh, cheaper contract. I don't know if you want to finish up on the Islanders. Do you have anything else? You know, I last thing I'll say about the Islanders, they did great this series, man. They did phenomenal. I hope the ball rolls through Tampa. You know, it's going to be a tough series, but uh, I think they're better than they were last season. And uh, let's keep this train rolling. And um, that's all I got to say for them. So yeah, fuck it. Let's move on. Yeah. So yeah, now moving on to avalanche in Vegas. Um, as Justin just said, you know, uh, how he wanted to take a lesser deal so that way he can, you know, keep the team attack or even get themselves another weapon or two. Um, yeah, dude, this this series for Avalanche fans and, you know, the team, you know, the organization themselves has been very, very disappointing. Yeah, man. And uh, I don't know. It's just crazy because I feel like everybody had Colorado as a favorite to win the cup. Uh, you know, not to say that people didn't have Vegas like up there, but like especially the first two games, man, and how they came right out of the gate and like guns blazing, ready for Vegas. They they were up two zero and they lost four in a row. Um, well, yeah, no, I I agree with you. And just to put a little more context to that was that um you know going into the playoffs, sure, I guess doesn't really matter, but they won five straight games and secured the President's Trophy. Right after that, they swept the Blues in four games. Didn't drop a game there. Then they blew up Vegas, as you mentioned, 7-1. And then they squeaked out that other win. They were on an 11-game win streak at that point. They were unstoppable. They were they were the NHL, you know? They were the greatest team around right now. Yeah, and I so, mean, uh, I don't know, man. And they were scary, too. Like, I, like the way that they were playing... Um, headlined by Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen. 
Um, former sees the week of last week. Uh, so he's got one. Maybe he'll get two at some point next season. Um, but, but yeah, man, it's like th- this star-studded team, this very deep team, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I-, I hate saying this, but I guess... I guess I give Vegas credit. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Vegas for, you know, me and you, as we mentioned last week, we're we're together when the first game happened. And at that point, we were like, holy shit. Avalanche, they're going to be the team to beat. You know, even when we were talking on our episode, um, I don't know if... At that point, Vegas even won a game at that point, but no, they we were like dead set. We think. were dead set on Avalanche. Or they might and, have won one or two. You know, they they lost on game three, right? Or no, after game four when they lost. I want to bring this up is Jared Bednar, their head coach. He had a couple of like harsh comments for the team. Uh, one of the quotes as the easy answer is this for five periods straight now. They've been the far more competitive team than we have. To dice, uh, to dissect that game any further would be just a waste of time. Um, I don't have the exact quote, but he goes on to say how all their stars have been better than our stars, and like basically threw his like first line under the bus. Um, now I don't know. I'm not a big fan of you know tossing your team under the bus like that. Basically, like a John Tortorella type of interview, but um. I guess he sensed that he didn't have his team. I guess he sensed that, you know, they were slipping and, you know, they kind of lost that confidence. So I guess he had to pull out all the stops. But uh, what, what are what are your opinions on that type of a comment from a head coach like that? I mean, you know, I think every coach has their own approaches um, to trying to spark a team. Um, but I also think that some coaches are more blunt. And, um, you know, Jared Bernard, uh, Bedner Bernard. Bedner, uh, he definitely Bedner. seems like more of a blunt coach. I mean, I don't know much about him, but you know, it's like I feel like the, that this team does want to play for him, that they do appreciate him, that they do respect his opinion. I don't think that there would be any malice from them, but you know, I don't know, man. It it all depends, and I think it's very situational. And I think in this situation, it it could be effective, you know. And I think you got to try to play all your cards in the deck, and making a decision like that. Saying something like this, I I don't think it does too much damage. Um, again, he's being blunt, you know, and I think he was being honestly truthful, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, he was definitely truthful with the media about his team. You know, I, I think there was a couple of comments from the team about you know what he said, and they basically said how, oh, it was a spark, it was a spark, but on the ice wasn't so much of a spark you know they dropped the rest of those games and uh unfortunately got swept which i guess leaves the question of you know what went wrong for this team you know what went wrong and um i think one of the situations that kind of fucked them honestly was kadri you know he was still serving his suspension you know throughout this entire series it was an eight game suspension so he was not a factor in any of these games and you know He's a type of player, you know, he has that type of skill that he was desperately missed by this team and kind of sucks to think about. What if he was there, you know? No, I got no sympathy. I'm going to be real. I have no sympathy. 
<laughs> like, uh, that's all I got to say about Kadri. I have no, I have no sympathy for him. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, the I guess team, there's no sympathy, but I mean, for yeah. like a for like a sport wise, like you know, you kind of want to you you know you want the Vegas Knights to run through the Avalanche, you know, at their peak with their best players. It just sucks. I mean, I get it, you know, fair and everything, you know, as far as suspension goes. Um, just I wonder what the impact would have been with him there. Yeah, I mean, you know, but um, Colorado fully knew what they were getting into with Kadri. Um, I feel like I think it's like the past few playoff series he's been in, he's been suspended in. Um, guy constantly makes dumb decisions, uh, boneheaded plays, and you know, uh, plays stupid games, wins stupid prizes. You fuck it up for your team. And um, listen, to me, yeah, I feel like he definitely could have given them a spark, given them something, but I don't know. They just look so deflated. You know, they looked so deflated, and they looked deflated. They they went from uh, steamrolling to being steamrolled but the whole time Kadri was still suspended so I don't know um, I think it's more yeah. of a momentum thing you know I think they got shell shocked and honestly I think a big part of it is Philip Grubauer I mean he played like absolute buns the last like three games in the series he had an 857 save percentage in game uh, in game four 880 in game five and a 773 in uh, game six that's terrible man you, yeah like and this was a this is a Vesna nominee, you know, and he just shit the bed, honestly. Some yeah. of the goals he let in were super soft. I, you know, choked. No, I definitely agree that this team choked. Um, Vegas, they just looked unstoppable, like all cylinders firing, everyone on every line scoring. It was incredible what they were able to do, especially against this Avalanche team, you know. And you're right about Grubauer; it kind of sucks. You know, after a season that he had for him to slump like this, um, awful. And uh, Nathan McKinnon didn't hold back after, you know, that loss. Uh, He was quite pissed, obviously. And uh, he is quoted as saying, I'm going into my ninth year next year and I haven't won shit. You know, um, he said, I'm definitely motivated and it just sucks losing four in a row to a good team. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, these post exit, like, interviews they're always so awkward and brutal i always feel so bad watching these clips but uh you can tell he's just devastated you know and as you mentioned he's there for the team you know he wants to take a lower contract so uh i just hope this avalanche team can get it done soon for him for mckinnon alone honestly at this point yeah i mean in games four five and six he went pointless uh a minus three in those three games um yeah they they, they shut him down you know, they shut him down. And so we had some tef- technical difficulties there. Um, so to be honest, we forgot what we were saying. We got about maybe like five more minutes into recording. Um, but one last thing that we do want to mention about the Vegas, Colorado series is, um, listen, man, it's giving me more ammo. And I posted on our story today, giving me more ammo to uh, to despise uh, Vegas and their fans. Um, these two Colorado fans were sitting near the ice they had a Colorado flag. Some asshole Vegas fan runs up, steals the flag. Then this one guy goes to get it back. He gets pushed. And it's a whole big altercation. Man, fuck Vegas. Again, man, fuck Vegas. Fuck their fans. Fuck anybody who associates himself with liking Vegas. Um, fuck the players. Fuck the organization. Sorry, man. If you like Vegas and you listen to us, then I commend you. You know, I'll give you that because of my dis- my hatred 
for uh, for Vegas. I mean, you know, it's just like this is why no one likes you guys. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I'm gonna say. I mean, you know, fuck Vegas. I, I mean, the like fact the fact that the Islanders and Bruins, two teams that despise each other on the ice and as fan bases, even outside of hockey and baseball and football. New York and Boston, we hate each other. You know, I can't stand Boston. I don't think I'll ever visit there again, at least I went when I was younger. But um, it's a pretty city. You know, we left each other alone. You know, when I was in, when I was at the game, there was Bruin fans there. They didn't have beer poured on them. They looked fine. They looked like they were alive, looked like they were unscathed. You know, so how can a fan base of only four years, you know, diehard fans of fucking Vegas nights in four years, allegedly, they, um, you can't leave Avalanche fans alone. Um, hopefully, hopefully it was just, uh, you know, one incident of just a drunk guy in Vegas who just got a little too far. But, um, and you know, there's not many more instances like this, but uh, no, it, w- it was a really bad look for them there. Yeah, man. You know what? Uh, again, man, I'll say it again. Fuck Vegas. Yeah. Fuck them all together. Yeah. But, um, I guess we'll go get our toes in the sand. We'll go chill out on South Beach like we're LeBron James. And uh, we'll move on to the Tampa series uh, with the Hurricanes. What do you think? Yeah, I got, Yeah, I mean, considering we don't have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there really isn't much to cover. You know, they finished the series out pretty quickly after we recorded the last episode. So I think we talked at length then. Um, but... Um, Let's just talk about Vasilevsky, dude. I think that he was the difference maker in this series. Um, absolute phenomenal play he's had, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, people will say that it's because of the team, the team that he plays on. That like how um, that's why his stats are so good. That's why his numbers are so good. But man, when you watch him play, I don't know, man. He's a very solid goaltender. I think he's one of the best, uh, if not the best, goaltender in the league right now. Um, and the series has proved it, you know, to be able to squander this young, talented and good avalanche core um, like he did. Yeah, man. I don't know. It, it's just it's remarkable. And um, he's a big part of their continued success. Yeah, no, I mean, they always say that you got to ride a hot goaltender in the playoffs and uh, Vasilevsky, hot regular season, now hot playoffs. You know, they look scary. Um, another thing that I would say is contributing to success is how ridiculous Braden Point is, man. I mean, you and I, I think we got very excited about some of his flashy goals in the bubble last season in the playoffs. But um, this playoffs, he didn't let off on the gas whatsoever. He has four goals in this series alone, and he's continuing to have a incredible impact on his team. Yeah, I mean, you know, what more else is there? What more else is there to say? What else is there? Hmm. I don't know the right wording of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, Braden Point's just an exceptional player, and I don't know if he's honestly he might be the one C above uh, Steven Samkos due to his injuries and everything. You know, I mean, Braden Point's just so dynamic the way that he controls the play. He doesn't only have a good shot; he's got great skating, and he's an exceptional passer. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. He's just, he helps boost this, uh, Tampa offense exceptionally. Yeah, no, he is definitely a playoff performer and, uh, 
he's definitely going to be their their new number one guy. You know, in in the near future, he's definitely going to he's the future of this organization. I definitely say. Um, the last thing I'll mention uh, is their dominant play of their fourth line. They have had such an impact. You know, Islander fans, they love to say that we have the best fourth line in hockey. Um, honestly, dude, this Tampa team, Ross Colton, you know, he got the insurance marker in the last game. Uh, you know, he's contributing to scoring. You have Tyler Johnson, who used to be a top six type of player. Now he's playing a fourth line role, and I think he's playing that phenomenally. And then you have a big ass fucking dude in Pat Maroon, you know, centering that all. I mean, this fourth line. Uh, ridiculous what they're doing there. Yeah, and I mean that's I mean, yes, Tyler Johnson. I mean his play play hit whoa. His play has declined a little bit, but not to the extent like that's like he um he's unplayable, you know. It's like he he's so he's still making a lot of money, I think. But um but you know still I mean he's a really effective forward still. Um despite his play dropping off and he carries that fourth line, you know, uh, especially uh, Pat Maroon too. I mean, he was uh, a hero for them last year. Um, and Ross Colton, I mean, kudos to him. I mean, I think he's a young guy. Um, and he's come right into the lineup without a blink of an eye and just uh, help boost the team up. You know, um, they have yeah. a very good fourth line. And I think that they can get the identity line and run for their money. Yeah, no, Johnson, as you mentioned, he is making $5 million a year on the fourth line. So uh, I don't think that's really too sustainable. But uh, yeah, I 100% agree. This fourth line is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, our our identity line, as they say, is definitely going to be uh, put to the test against them. Yeah, definitely. Guess you could do anything when you're 20% over the cap limit. What did you say, Justin? Uh, you know, I, I just don't know what you do in that situation. You know, what what are you going to do? Are you going to tell a player you know, that they can't play? I I mean, I, I just... Yeah. So, you have to play a certain level of regular season games to play in the playoffs. You have to play one regular season game to play in the playoffs. At least one. Uh, you know, I would like to limit a little bit higher. Or you just have to be cat compliant in the playoffs. All right, then you have to put people down in a taxi squad then or, you know, put them down into the AHL technically. But I'm done complaining about it. I sound like a bitch, especially with the Islanders facing off against them. And I will try not to use that as a crutch. If anything, no, you're, you're going to we're not going to we haven't heard the end of it because you're going to bring it up every every game. I know I know that during the games, anytime Tampa scores a goal, you're going to text me and say 20 percent of our salary. They're cheaters. <laughs> yeah, cheaters. I, it's. It's ridiculous what they're able to do. I hope they fix this issue. Anyway, 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 let's head up north. Let's head up to your typical domain of hockey. You know, you've seen these guys a lot this season watching the Canucks. So I'm sure you have a little bit more insight rather than I do. So, well, better than I do, I should say. And uh, what do you have to think about this Canadian team sweeping the Winnipeg Jets? First of all, I just want to say, I think it's pretty funny that like, I mean, if people don't know us, if people haven't listened to us for a while, they might think that like I'm Canadian or something. I'm not Canadian. I'm literally from Long Island. 
Um, I'm just unfortunately <laughs> a Canucks fan. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like we're always like, oh yeah, you're the expert of Canada. And it's like, I, I'm not even from Canada. Um, but it's funny because I also know like a bunch of commercials from like the Vancouver area and shit. Um, even from like my, my podcast listens from Vancouver. It's uh, it's pretty funny. But anyway, um, yeah, man. I mean, honestly, I'm really not surprised. I mean, the Jets, I j- I don't even think during the, um, did I even, no, I picked the, I picked the Oilers, I think, um, for the first round, right? Oh, in I the did. Jets series? Yeah, yeah, I think we bolted. I think everybody who is a hockey fan did. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like, I despise the Oilers. I don't think they're a deep team. So for the Jets then to beat the Oilers, I was completely shocked. Um, again, man, the only, like, Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck, he kept them, he kept the game somewhat uh, even. You know, I mean, you have here that he, uh, I mean, this is the whole playoffs, including the sweep, but a 223 goals yeah. against and a 931 save percentage. Um, including over, a sweep in that. Yeah, including a sweep. But I mean, uh, listen, man, the Jets only scored six goals. Right? Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, and you get like, only... You only get six goals in support. I mean, I don't think there's any goaltender in this league that can do it. No, man. I mean, the Jets just aren't... The Jets completely fell apart. Um, I also think their defensive depth, is, depth isn't there. Um, watching them play, they just looked... They just looked bad. I mean, Montreal ragdolled them. You know, they... they. I mean, it could have been just because Montreal's riding on, the, riding on the momentum. But, man, they just did not look good. Um... So one thing that I want to talk about is um this Mark Shifley and um listen man I still can't get over this loser the loser comments that this man sh- like I can't get over all these loser comments that he and you know he showed no sympathy he kept crying he was all like wah, wah, wah. I made a shitty hit I have to suffer the consequences wah, wah, wah. I mean this guy was saying that he didn't want to appeal the suspension um, he didn't want to appeal his four-game suspension to avoid distracting his teammates and making it difficult for them. But for a whole fucking week, he's been crying to the media, hoping to get a Hallmark card that says, I'm sorry, XOXOXO. Give me a fucking break. You know, give me a fucking break. Cry about it. Like, it's so frustrating to watch, man. Despite how you feel about this hit, because I know you, you, me and you feel differently about it. Like, I know you think that, it, like, he should have kept his head up. Wada, wada. Whatever, like you have to agree that this whining is delusional, ridiculous, and excessive. Because, like, get get a fucking grip, get a fucking grip. Like, I'm sorry, it just makes me so fucking mad that it's like you don't want to cause a distraction to your team, but you're in the media every day complaining about it. Yeah, no, I I see exactly what you're saying, and I, I think he is a little bit of a bitch. After the first time, you know, that he spoke about it, that should have been that. You know, first time um, is fine. First maybe, time is fine. You know, and I agreed with him the first time when he said, you know, I think it's unfair that I got four games. I agreed with him. Well, fault. you're wrong. But, you, you know, know. I, I, I could be, I could be, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with you on that. But, um, no, I, it, it's kind of at a point to where you're just picking excuses, but he is their top guy right so i feel like i think he is like their number one guy on a team if not one of the best there so you know 
would it have been different? hundred percent. I don't think they would have got swept if Shifley played. So I kind of understand why he's upset and maybe his comments that he's saying, you know, under layers means, you know, a little bit of regret for the hit on Evans, you know, obviously he didn't come out and say, Oh, I regret that because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to have an impact in the series. Maybe I would have liked to hear that, but, um, yeah, he kind of just comes out as sounding whiny and bitchy. So I, I I agree with what you're saying here. Can I also just say something that really also pisses me off is how he was like, because of this suspension, I wasn't able to play in the series. Okay, neither was Jake Evans. You concuss him on an unnecessary play and you want the sympathy? Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, like that's my thing. There's there's a lack of remorse for the hit. There's a lack of any acknowledgement that he could have done something differently. He had 190 fucking feet to do something. Yeah, he stopped. Uh, he started gliding around the hash marks. But like you still had time to redirect when you know that that puck is going in the net and you're going to be down two goals. That was an unnecessary hit. It was disgusting. I don't know, man. I, I listen. I have no sympathy for Mark Shifley during this. And yeah, you're right. He is their best player. And with, with with that in his mind, he should know that he shouldn't be making a stupid hit like that. He has the NHL experience to where he shouldn't be making a stupid hit like that. Especially in a game that's going to be out of reach as soon as that puck goes in the net, which it already was. Your hit is not stopping that puck from going in the net. Again, I said it last week. I'll say it again. You put your stick on the ice. You try to stop that puck. Maybe you even dive into the net. Who cares? You don't go for that hit because you know you're going to injure him. I don't care what he says. He was trying to stop the puck. He was out to injure him. I don't care what anybody says. I'm very adamant on this. I think it's a disgusting hit. Again, I know you feel differently about it, but I just do not see any. I don't see any slack from him. It was a completely unnecessary hit. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you said it, you know, we do disagree. Maybe I think it was a little excessive, the, you know, the length of the suspension, but I can't agree at this point with what he is saying in the media as far as lack of remorse, not feeling bad basically at all um, is a little weird, a little disgusting. So um, no, I, I guess I do share that same feeling as you at this point on Shifley. And I also have to say like, it's like, even though they're another Canadian team and we played like Canucks played them all year, it's like, I don't have any like disdain for the jets. I don't dislike them or anything. I don't dislike Shifley. I like, you know, there's no bias coming from me. I just think that it's a, like as a general hockey fan, it's fucking stupid, and it pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I, again, Jets don't bother me. Jets usually aren't in the Canucks division, and they didn't bother me when they played the Canucks this year. You know? Um, well, yeah, and I don't, I, mean, that, I don't dislike that's the, the thing team. That I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, when we were talking before we recorded, you know, I mentioned that I, I don't think Shifley has ever been on the wrong side of anything before. At least to my knowledge, as far as like a disgusting hit, let's say. But um, yeah, definitely, and that's my thing. He isn't a dirty player. Pretty well, he isn't a dirty player, and that's the thing that's so like um, bewildering about this. You know, it's like why, why now, why now are you saying all this shit? Why now do you make dumb hits? You know, it's like I don't know. His team just got kicked out of the playoffs because he didn't play. So I I, no, but he was making the comments before the team got kicked out. He's making comments from the second that he got out of the arena. He was like, wah, wah, wah. like, you know, it's like fucking <laughs> crying about it. I get a fucking grip. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I don't know if I can talk about Shifley anymore. My blood pressure is going to rise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but from what I can tell from this series, um, you know, I didn't follow it as close, but, you know, the Canadians team, they 
they had a lead every single game early on, and they never had like any sustained pressure from the Shets team. You know, um, you know, I already mentioned I, I don't, I don't see it going any other way without Shifley. I mean, it, it, it sucks, man. But this team, they, they couldn't do anything without him. And the Canadians, they took advantage. They got out ahead, and they kept them away. They were playing keep away, basically. And that's my thing. It's like, well, and then so that's a testament to their depth, right? I mean, if you lose one guy, your whole team goes to shit. You know what I mean? It's like, do you really belong in the second round then? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean the the Canucks were faced with that same question when they lost Pedersen, and they didn't do shit when Pedersen was gone. But the Canucks didn't make the playoffs. Because they didn't have Pedersen. Okay, but they didn't probably make more than that. But yeah, yeah, no, you got a point. I mean, you know, you know same I, thing. You know, with other organizations, if if the uh, if um, you know, Bruins didn't have Pasternak that whole series. You know, does do they make it as far as they did? Do they have the same impact? You know, I guess the same thing could be said for everybody. Like Shifley's their number one guy. It's not like a you know a Ryan Reeves on the team that got suspended it's not like Kadri even who's a second line guy it, this is your number one guy that you're losing an entire series out of for his first instance on a okay bad hit but keep your head up don't no get no 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 like no no don't keep your head because why would you expect to be steamrolled from someone who's been charging at you for that no, Damien you're we're not getting to that we're not that doesn't okay, mean okay. shit your safety is the most importance we're not getting into that again my thing all is, right, all right, right, let's get back right. to the hockey discussion and the fact that Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, and fucking Pierre-Luc Dubois did nothing. That's another thing. True. Right? They, True. They Pierre-Luc Dubois had no impact. Had absolutely zero impact. And again, like you have in, have in the notes, they had six goals, the Jets. How are you going to win a series with six goals? What is that, an average of like 1.5 goals per game through the four games or something like that? Like, I don't know, man. It, I mean, that's terrible. Um yeah, Jets got outplayed by the Montreal Canadiens, and that's really the end of that. No, they definitely did. But one bright light, I will say, for Montreal is their youngsters, man. I mean, Suzuki and Caulfield, dude, they are playing on that line with Toffoli, and they are just rolling at this yeah. point. They're um, fun to watch. You know, they were, they are. They are. They were both involved in Toffoli's overtime goal, secure the series. So they're good under pressure. You know, well, I don't know if you call that pressure, securing a fourth win in a row. But, um, man, to fully score that overtime goal, did that sting for you? I don't, I mean, I don't think it really stung for me. Um, I feel like I've come to amends that, um, that's fully not the Canucks. Um, but I, you know, I've been thinking about this question and I'm going to, Send it to a couple mailbags for a few of my favorite Vancouver podcasts. Excuse the fireworks going on in the background. Um, <laughs> but um, what's called. So my question is, and I don't know if you have an answer to this or not, or it could be a discussion, but you know, would Tyler Toffoli have the same success that he's had in the Canadians if he were on the Canucks this past season? You know, and I think it's a very thought provoking exercise to think about. Cause it's like, I mean, Toffoli's had an insane year. I mean, he was like top, like eight in goals or something this year. Whereas he wasn't before he came to Montreal, you know, um, he's found kind of a new light and I don't know if it's the system that he's playing in Montreal. I don't know if, you know, I don't know. And I don't know if he would have had the same success in Vancouver. Yeah. I know we kind of 
toss around a couple ideas, but I mean, Toffoli's playing with two. Well, Suzuki played last season, but Caulfield being a rookie right now, I don't know how their lineup was throughout the season. But, you know, he's playing with these two youngsters right now, and he's getting it done. He's like their quote-unquote Pajot who could play with anybody, basically, right? Considering he's playing with rookies. And he's playing on their second line, playing at a high-tempo pace. I mean, he has 10 points in 11 games thus far in the playoffs. So he's playing at an elite caliber. I, I find it hard to think that he would have zero impact on the Vancouver roster, especially with the season they had. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I think that he definitely would have had an impact, especially considering the Canucks would have had another top six forward that they desperately needed. I mean, they desperately needed to resign to Foley, and they didn't. Um, I know. I mean, just looking at the Canucks line, it probably would be different, right? It probably would be. They probably, whatever. But Miller, Besser, and Toffoli on the line rather than Hoaglander there, that seems pretty fire to me. Well, but, so you know, it, so the way that the way that I would see the Canucks top six cracking out to be is, you know, you keep the lotto line together, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser, right? That's the first line. And then on the second line, you have Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat and Tyler Toffoli. Right. And then that leaves the third line open for at I mean, at the beginning of the season, it would have been Niels Hoaglander, Adam Gaudet and Jake Vertanen. Uh, Jake redacted um, probably at the beginning of the season. That would have been um, that would have been a good. I think that would have been a fine third line. Very skillful. Um, very, very fast. I don't know. You know, that it, it could have looked different. And that top yeah. six of the Vancouver Canucks would have looked completely different. But with that being said, I don't know if Tyler Toffoli would have been a top like eight goal scorer in the league if he were on the Canucks. That's, I think, the point that I'm getting at. I think that. I got you now. I got you now. I probably didn't get it at first. Yeah, I think that his success in Montreal may be unique to Montreal, like to the extent that it is. That doesn't that sentence didn't make sense. What I mean is, I feel like he's having more success in Montreal than he would have in Vancouver. Not by a lot, but you know, by a decent amount. I don't think he would have been a top scorer in Vancouver. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um Really quick, their fourth line, dude, of Joel Armia, Eric Stahl, and Corey Perry. I know I kind of dick rode the fourth line last series, but this series as well. These are big names, right? Like Eric Stahl and Corey Perry. And they're playing an incredible role for this team of like being like those veteran supporters. You know, they have such an impact on this team. But I mean, that rings true for this team. And they're pitching in and scoring too. So, uh, I think that this Montreal team, although we like to uh, think of them as the underdogs and they were probably the the worst team, quote unquote, from pretty much anybody coming into the playoffs for the Canadian division. Um, they've really shown their, their, you know, they hit their stride. They've shown their pride of like being that strong depth team. It's interesting. I don't know. I just find it crazy that they made it to this point. Well, I mean, yeah, I th- they barely squeaked into the playoffs um, from the North Division. But it's like, you know, it's just they're the prime example of, you know, your team uh, and, you know, you get hot. When you get hot, you get hot. And, you know, you got to get hot at the right times. It's like the LA Kings in 2014. Um, you know, I mean, they're kind of on the same path, you know. Um, one thing I also do want to mention is Carey Price. Um, you know, Carey Price was amazing. And uh, he's really showing that, 
you know, he can still get it done. I mean, he allows six goals in the series, as we mentioned before. And overall in the playoffs, he has a 1.97 save percent or goals against average and a 9.35 save percentage. Um, that's nuts, man. And uh, Carey Price yeah. has been standing on his head in the playoffs. And I think that that should, uh, that should be mentioned. Yeah. I mean, playoff Carey Price is back. Like, lights out ever since trailing the Leafs, man, right? Like, ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. That's the Canadians for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last thing I want to talk about. Did you see the uh, the CN Tower lighting up red and blue for the Habs? Oh, of course I did, bro. It was fucking beautiful. Dude. Fuck Toronto. How <laughs> sick. Like, I, I feel like the equivalent, right? I feel like the equivalent would be the Empire State Building going like black and red for the Devils, you know? <laughs> like. Yeah. Or yellow and black for Boston. Like, what? Yeah, man. It's fucking crazy. And I think that too many people get caught up. I mean, and this is from, again, you know, I'm a Canucks fan, but I'm from America. So I don't have the same perspective as a Canadian Canucks fan. But it's like, people are like, oh, yeah, bring a cup to Canada. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't like many of the teams in Canada. Like, I don't dislike the Canadians. I don't dislike the Senators. I don't dislike the Jets either. So I guess it's three of the team, three of the seven teams that I don't like. But it's like, I'm not going to, like, hell, man. I don't know. I'm not going to go rooting for them. I don't don't like them. You know, the Canadians are the only team, other Canadian team that I probably would like. But even then, I'm still not rooting for them. I'm rooting for the Islanders. I mean, you know, but again, that's going to come Long Island. But, you know. I don't know, man. It's uh it's definitely a weird thing. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um I don't know, man. I just really hope they pull through for me though, and they take care of Vegas. Take care of Vegas for me. Um but before we run out of time here, let's move on quickly to the Canucks here. You ready? Oh, so you want to be quick now, so you uh, hate the Canucks. No, <laughs> um, no, no, no. Yeah, so there wasn't too much uh, with the Canucks this week. I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, so the main thing is that the Canucks uh, extended their coaching staff. Um, they let Newell Brown, who's a power play coach, go, which thank God because their power, power play was atrocious this year. And um, I'm hoping that they can, you know, start scooting it around better. They can start moving it around better and have more strategies, uh, including getting rid of the drop pass when it's unnecessary. Um <laughs> They also extended Ian Clark, who's their goaltending coach, and they gave him a five-year deal to match Thatcher, the Snatcher Demko's five-year deal, uh, which I'm Thatcher pretty hyped about. Snatcher. Yeah, um, to to match his deal, and that's really important, I feel like, considering all the work that he's done for Thatcher Demko and all the work that he did for Jacob Markstrom before he left. And the fact that Thatcher Demko was pleading the organization in uh, his exit interview to uh, re-sign Ian Clark and... Um, Ian Clark, there's so many notes from a um, from an interview that he did with, I think, I think Sportsnet 650. And he was basically just like, yeah, man, like despite because he, apparently he had an internal deadline that he if he didn't get an offer, then he was going to leave. But because he, he he told everyone he wants to win a cup in Vancouver, he wants to be in Vancouver. Vancouver is his family's home. He wants to stay there. And, um, you know, and that's really important to him. And they got it done, which is really sick. And makes me pretty hyped. Um, the Canucks yeah. also pushed Brad Shaw from Columbus, who is now their assistant coach. 
Um, and watching interviews with him, you know, he seems to know what he's really talking about. And uh, his specialty is defenseman, which is pretty seized for the Canucks because he made Warinsky and Jones, who are really, really solid defensemen, he made them into what they are today. And hopefully he can do the same with oh, yeah. uh, Quinn Hughes and Jack Rathbone, uh, who Quinn Hughes was slumped a little bit this year defensively. So I'm really hoping that he um, can really bring him into his own, especially because um, Bradshaw was saying that a defenseman doesn't need to be big in order to be good. And I think that that really excited me to hear, especially as Hughes yeah. and Rathbone aren't big guys. I mean, I think Hughes is 5'10", and Jack Rathbone, I think, is six foot. And um, Yeah, well, now with the with the talks of Seth Jones wanting to move shit, maybe, uh, no. maybe Bradshaw being there has a little bit of a sway for bringing Jones in, huh? In the offseason, it would have to be. The Canucks can't trade for him now. They don't have shit. Um, they don't have shit to trade. You know what I mean? Um, unless they're giving up the ninth overall, but that's a conversation maybe for next week. Um, Pedersen and Hughes, um, there are some talks about their contracts, um, which is awesome because there are apparently no negatives so far. Everything's been trending in the right direction. Um, a source, I forgot who it was. It might've been Rick Dollywall. Um, but he's saying he was saying, or Patrick Johnson, one of the two. And they were saying that, Elias Pettersson is going to be a three-year deal and Quinn Hughes is going to be a four-year deal. And um, I think that takes them both to their last year, their RFA status, respectively. Um, and so I'm going to say, um, what's it called? That Elias Pettersson is going to get about seven and Quinn Hughes is going to get 6.5. Um, I think PD is going to match the Barzell deal. And I only think so. Even though he's a better, because even though he's a better point producer, I think his injury really fucked up his contract status. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and so um, I only have a couple more points with the Canucks. Um, per Elliot Friedman, which we are not um, on Thirty One Thoughts, <laughs> actually today he um, what's it called was saying that one of the things that's becoming very clear in Vancouver is that they're well aware of how things were perceived by a lot of people, and that this market in the market this year and that they are trying to address them. And it's scaring me how aggressive Jim Benning and co, uh, how they're aiming to be aggressive in order to steer the ship on the right path. And yeah, man, I don't know. It's kind of worrisome. Um, I'm going to de- yeah, do, you de- don't know what psychopath that move he's going to make. Yeah, man. And you know, he's made a, I mean, just look at Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, the list goes on and on, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's honestly on the Canucks. That's really all I got to say. Kind of want to do a deep dive next week. But um, really quick, do you uh, want to do um, – oh, do we not have time if you want to cut it? Uh, we'll cut it, but they're giving us 10 minutes. Oh, okay. So. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. They're giving us 10 minutes, so we'll just cut this part out, and then we can go right back into it. Okay, cool. So, right. so I'll say, cool. oh, seize the week. Okay. Let me leave a... Okay. Yeah. All right. Be quiet for a sec. And so with all that being said, I think that we should go into our uh, seize of the week and sneeze of the week, but we don't talk about our sneeze of the week until we get to our seize or sneeze of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so, true, um, true, man. I'm. We're going into this fast and quick. And honestly, I think I want to start with my sneeze. What about you? Shit, we can go for our sneeze. 
You want to go? Wait, you want to go for sneeze? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, go first. Your shot. All right. So my sneeze, my sneeze right now is Mark Shifley for his bitch comments. But oh, <laughs> I know, I know. I you you would feel like I wouldn't go for him. But honestly, I, I do agree with everything that you said, man, about as far as like his comments being ridiculous and being stupid. You know, I, I might agree with him as far as his suspension, but um, I think as being a leader for the team, you know, he was distracting, even though he said he didn't want to be. And uh, I think Mark Shifley, man, yeah, you know, next season's your redemption tour. Yeah, wow. That was actually, honestly, didn't expect that from you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I'm going to say my sneeze of the week is Taylor Hall. Um, you know, I feel like he should (laughs) have, I feel like that Taylor Hall should have been producing more, especially for somebody who had such an impact on the regular season, the end of it for the Boston Bruins. I feel like he definitely could have taken the Bruins to the next level and evened up the series for them, at least to a degree, you know, uh, made the playing field a bit more even. But he fell short. And, you know, for me, that's uh, it's going to be my sneeze of the week. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you, dude. Uh, I thought Taylor Hall was going to be scary. And whether it's credit to the Islanders or discredit to Taylor Hall for falling short, I don't know. But he definitely is deserving of a sneeze of the week. Um, so that being said, I'll go into my sneeze of the week. Um, somebody who we already mentioned on the podcast this week, uh, Carrie Price. I'm gonna go with Carrie Price. Um, completely blanked the Jets, even though they didn't provide him, I guess, with a lot of like opportunities to make these flashy saves and crazy saves. But um, you know, Carrie Price was solid, cool, calm, collected. We mentioned it last week how he was just how he's just refuting these like clickbaity things from the media, and he's just like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. You know how he's very calm about everything, and uh, I love his C's. He's got the literal definition of C's, which is style with ease. He's literally got C's, and uh, yeah, man, that's my he's my yeah. C's of the week. If I didn't pick who I picked, I would probably have picked him. And you're gonna be pissed, you're gonna be mad at me because I'm a bit of a homer, but I am picking the Long Island Faithful as my C's of the week. Shout out to you guys, man, the arena pumping. You've thrilled this entire team. You got everybody riled up. Um, everything that happened with Bruce Cassidy in the media of him calling the Saints, you guys literally brought trombones out to fucking lead a marching band, uh, you know, for a tailgate. Uh, I know this is probably a cheap one, you know, cheap pick. But, uh, dude, I'm thrilled. I'm pumped for watching these Islander games. And honestly, a big part of it is the family feel behind it. Um Roast me now if you want. <laughs> I mean, you said Long Island Faithful. I thought you were going to say uh, Kyle Palmieri, Smithtown born. <laughs> um, true, true. Because what he had, he had a he had a two goal night. He scored a few goals this week. Yeah, he had um, a beautiful goal at one point. Yeah. So, uh, but you know what? Yeah, shout out to Islanders fans. Um, they've been killing it lately. So, I'm not mad. They have and if you are an Islander fan or Canucks fan or fan in general, or if you liked and got this far to us. Please go ahead, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. We're going to try and be as active as possible. We had a really great week on Instagram, I'd say. And, uh, you know, we love getting this conversation going. So, um, yeah, go follow us. Let's talk. Um, 
that's about all I got to say here. Anything you want to say, Justin? No, all I got to say is, yeah. And you can follow us at the Clapper Report on Instagram, especially T-H-E-C-L-A-P-P-E-R-R-E-P-U-R-T. Slide in our DMs.